0: Ain't that the truth? That is why we are here today, because our God is worthy, because of His great love for us. Let me invite you to open your Bible with me this morning to the book of 1 John. We're continuing our series through John's letters of 1 John, towards the back of your Bible there. Chapter 4, verses 17 through 21 is our text this morning. Have you ever had to follow someone in a vehicle where you did not know where you were going, and you had to try to keep up with them? Some of you all perhaps have followed me on church trips someplace, and you know what, you're, you know what I'm talking about there, and uh, I'm sorry if I get out too far ahead of you. Sometimes I've got that lead foot. When we go to Michigan and visit my in-laws there, we, we run into that sometimes. I'll be following my sister-in-law somewhere, and then she gives me a taste of my own medicine, and then I, I, I recognize how bad I, I do you all sometimes in that. But if you're following somebody and you're not quite sure where you're going, you need to stick close don't you? As disciples of Jesus, we are followers of our Master. And He is leading us somewhere. He is leading us to where we need to go. And if we are to arrive there as He wants us to, we must likewise stick close and follow the leader. As we have been looking through this three-part mini-series in First John of good reasons to love your brother, we have come to the third and final reason in our text before us this morning. And you will see that you need to love your brothers and sisters in Christ because God leads you. God is leading you in a direction that you need to go, and that direction includes loving your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. Let me invite you to stand if you're able to this morning in reverence for the reading of the Holy Word of God. I'll be reading from 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 17 this morning. The Apostle John writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Let's pray together. Almighty God, it is so good to be in this house today. Your presence indeed has been felt, and we know you are here. And as we just sang, you are worthy of worship and praise. And Father, what greater form of worship and praise than to humble ourselves before Your revealed Word. God, You have spoken and Your Word has been recorded and we have it before us here today. We are holding in our hands and reading the very words of God Almighty. And God, if these are Your words, they must be true, they must be trustworthy, they must be powerful, and they must be authoritative. God, You are leading us by your example and through your text to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, it is our prayer today that you open our hearts and deeply implant the seed of your word so that, God, it may take root and that our lives might bear the fruit that reveals that we are children of God. Help us, God, to love as you have loved us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we've been working our way through John's first letter here, we see that the main theme is identifying true Christians from the false. And John has showed us repetitively that proper beliefs and proper behavior are important indicators of whether or not somebody truly is born again. And we also see a heavy emphasis on this theme of loving, especially loving the brothers, loving fellow Christians, fellow church members. And we've seen already in this three-part mini-series the first reason that God gives us to love our brothers is because God loves you. God is love. God exemplifies what love is. And we see that through God sending His Son to, to be the Savior of the world, to be the propitiation for our sins. God exemplifies love. And John says those who are born of God, they love. If God is love, then His people love also. The second reason, because God lives in you. Last week we saw the word abide come up over and over again to abide, to live, to remain, to stay. And if God lives in you and God is love, then you will love. And we summed it up and said when the Lord comes in, love comes out. That's the way it works. It's impossible to have the Lord living in you and not love. The third reason we're going to see here today is because God leads you god leads you love is commanded of us and for good reason and we see that spelled out in our text today the first thing we see is the confidence of love loving the brethren as you're supposed to benefits your soul And and it and it yields confidence in our lives we see in verse 17 first of all the assurance our assurance in the future john says by this by what Everything he has just said. By loving our brothers and sisters in a supernatural... Remember, love is from God. And you cannot love supernaturally unless you have God. And we are to love supernaturally. We are to love sacrificially. And John says, by this, by by outward expressions of love, by this, John says, love is perfected with us. Perfected. it, It reaches completion, maturity, it accomplishes what God sent it for. God loves you so that you in turn will love others. The vertical love is followed by the horizontal love. And he says that by this, love is perfected so that, and that's the, that's the outcome, that's the, the, uh, the result, so that we may have confidence. We may have confidence. We don't have it unless we are perfected by this, by loving others, so that we may have confidence. The word confidence means boldness. means courage, especially in the public arena. It means that we are not ashamed. And John has already touched on this back in chapter 2, verse 28, when he says, when Christ, when the Lord our Savior appears, we will not shrink away but we will have confidence in His appearing. So by loving others, it instills within us confidence to stand before God, He says, in the judgment, in the day of judgment, verse 17 says. There's a lot of people that have this mistaken idea that all Jesus did was, was talk about love and acceptance, that everything goes, you need to love everybody no matter what, and everybody is okay. I'm okay, you're okay. But do you realize that Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody else in the Bible? The word hell appears 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times on the lips of Jesus himself. One of the most loving things you can do is teach people and talk to people about the reality of hell. If there is a hell, which the Bible says there is, and Jesus says there is, and we do not speak about hell in judgment, how loving are we really being? If we believe there is an eternity of separation from God in a place where the the worm does not die and the fire does not go out in outer darkness and gnashing of teeth and we truly believe that and we don't tell people that how loving are we really being? But he says that by this, by loving others by loving our brothers by this, love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence in that day of judgment that day of judgment is coming but we don't need to worry about that if we are born of God because if we are born of God it will display itself in the way we love others in the way we love our brothers and sisters we have assurance of the future why is that? because of our acceptance by faith verse 17 goes on to say this he says that we have confidence in the day of judgment because why do we have confidence? because as he is as Jesus is so also are we That's an amazing thing. Even though we are sinners, by faith we come to Christ and our sins are washed. We are cleansed. We are are free from the, the guilt and the stain of sin. And as He is, so are we. As the Father sees the Son fully righteous, as He is, so also are we. That doesn't happen by our actions. It happens by the love of God, by the grace of God, and by faith. By trusting in Christ. When you trust in the Son, you will stand before God just like the Son. It's only through faith and repentance that happens, folks. By trusting in Jesus, who He is and what He's done for you and turning from your sin. Our acceptance is by faith. He says that as, as He is, so also are we in this world. Right now, not just when we die and go to heaven we'll be like Jesus, but God sees you now. Right now, in this world, God looks at you and even though you have sinned against God by faith in His Son, you are forgiven. You are sanctified. You are justified in the eyes of God. And that sin sometimes causes friction in our relationship, but you are still a son or a daughter of God by faith in this world. This world that John says in chapter 2 is hostile to God. We stand out like sore thumbs in this world. We ought to. If God lives in us and love comes out from us, it yields confidence in this world. Our acceptance is by faith if the assurance is the positive outcome, then verse 18, the flip side of that, the negative is our absence of fear. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love. We are said perfect, accomplished, matured love. Love that comes in and love that comes out. He says there is no fear in love, but perfect love, it casts out fear. Why? Because fear involves punishments. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We have no fear. We don't need to worry about standing before the throne of God. We don't need to fear the judgment seat of God. If we are born of God and and we see love coming out of us towards one another in the church, in the body of Christ, we don't need to worry about judgment day. If you think about Christ returning right now, are you scared of that? Or are you thrilled by that? It's just there is no fear in love. The word fear, in Greek we get the word phobia from that. Y'all know what a phobia is? It's an irrational fear. It is a a persistent dread. Some people are, have, have a phobia of heights or, or tight spaces or nasty little spiders, you know, with them eight legs and they're furry and it's just like, ugh. You know, and they spin them webs and you walk into it and you turn into a ninja all of a sudden a phobia do you have a phobia of judgment do you have a phobia of the return of Christ you shouldn't because he says the one who fears is not perfected in love if your love life towards your brethren is off it instills fear of the coming of the Lord because you know something is not right no need to fear the eternal punishment because you have faith in Christ Many of you all know back last December, I had an asthma attack that led to a trip to the emergency room. And that's where I came up with my, my famous illustration, Jesus is the nebulizer. You know. But whenever I went to the emergency room, they, they gave me some prescriptions. And one of the things they prescribed is this little thing right here, this little inhaler. You know, Itty bitty thing. If I feel like I'm struggling to breathe, I just you know, hit a shot of this. And, and amazingly it clears everything up. So this is the, the little inhaler that they prescribed to me. This right here was the paperwork that came inside the box. This great big sheet of paper right here. It tells you like, all the, the, the ingredients to the medicine and everything and it gives you all the warning. Y'all know when you've got prescriptions they have warnings about side effects? Listen to some of the side effects this have. Cardiovascular effects may occur. Most common adverse reactions are throat irritation, viral respiratory infections, upper respiratory inflammation, cough, which I thought that was kind of amazing. You're hitting that thing to help you breathe and suddenly you cough, but you can breathe, but you're coughing, and musculoskeletal pain. Ouch. Sounds That sounds bad. And then listen to this life-threatening paradoxical bronchospasm may occur. Discontinue immediately. Institute alternative therapy you know it's like you you might die but at least you'll have the ability to breathe when you're dead but if you find yourself dead then discontinue use immediately (laughs) and find an alternative source of treatment now I'm not about to try to fold this thing back up it's like a map you know I don't know how they they do that but anyway there you go so side effects of medicine sometimes are scary but there is a wonderful side effect of loving our brethren in Christ, And that side effect is confidence in the day of judgment. If we truly love one another, we don't need to worry about the judgment day because God's love in us has been perfected through our outpouring of love towards others. The confidence of love. Then in verses 19 and 20, John talks about the connection of love. There's a vital link between loving God and loving people. And that link cannot be severed. We see in verse 19 first of all God's initiative. His initiative. We love because he first loved us. He loved us before we ever loved him. Before you ever loved Jesus, he loved you. Even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And Paul says in Romans 5:8, God demonstrates his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved the unlovable. God died for his enemy and that's who we were before faith in christ enemies of god but god initiated love for us towards us we see in verse 19 also god's intention he says we love because he first loved us god took the initiative god loved us therefore we love because of that The outcome of God's loving us is loving others. The outpouring of God's loving us is loving others. The overflow of God loving us is loving the brethren. We love because He first loved us. God is the source of love. It's impossible to love as we need to without God's love abiding in us first. We love because of God's love for us verse 20 we see God's intuition God knows these things verse 20 says if someone says with his lips I love God and with his heart or his actions hates his brother he is a liar to say one thing but really live the opposite he is a liar and God knows this we may may fool others with our speech but we're not fooling God. Because God knows if we truly love or if we, if we hate. And notice what it says also. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother. He's not talking about some pagan infidel out there in the world. He's talking about your brother, your sister, your fellow Christian, your fellow church member. It's impossible to say you love God and hate fellow Christian it's impossible God knows this and he says if you say this you are a liar it's pretty serious stuff John 8 44 Jesus said to the Pharisees you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him whenever he speaks a lie he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies if Satan is a liar and you are proved to be a liar guess what you are satanic you're following the father of lies even if you say the right thing but you don't live the right way you don't love the right way John, in essence, is saying, You are being just like the devil. Even though you say you love God and you hate your brother. Then verse 20 also we see man's impossibility. His impossibility. John says he is a liar for, because the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. He's it's an argument from the lesser to the greater. Who does not love his brother whom he has seen? We, we see one another, don't we? I hope to see everybody every week. And we have weekly opportunities. Every time you lay eyes on another church member or another brother or sister in Christ, there is an opportunity for you to love them. And it may come in many different ways. Maybe it's words of encouragement. Maybe it's a hug or a handshake maybe it's some sort of, of, of gift a token of appreciation maybe, maybe there's a financial need maybe I don't know maybe you just invite them over to your home for dinner or, or, or invite them out to lunch it can, it can manifest itself in a number of different ways but every time you see another church member, there is an opportunity for you to demonstrate the love of God towards them and if you're not doing that to those you do see how in the world are you going to say you love God whom you cannot see? And notice what John says here. The one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot. 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 Impossible. If you do not love your brother whom you do see, you cannot love God whom you have not seen. He cannot make it any clearer than that. It's pretty blunt. It's pretty specific. If you do not love your fellow brother, you cannot love God. You cannot separate the two. It's impossible. You can't do it. Because if you are born of God, and they are born of God, and God loves you, and God abides in you, it'll come out. I'm not saying you don't have differences of opinion from time to time, and in personality conflicts and things of that nature. But you cannot love God if you have hatred in your hearts towards another brother or sister. It's pretty specific. It's pretty clear. It's pretty stern. When we first moved out here eight and a half years ago, found out that if we wanted cable television, we couldn't get cable. We had to get the satellite, you know, the the dish or the direct, and we had never had that before. And and they installed that, and we were like, man, this is the greatest invention ever. You know, we can we can watch shows we can record shows when we're not at home, and watch. We can skip commercials. You know, we can pause it and go get a, a snack and come back and start again. And it was just amazing until the first thunderstorm came. And y'all know what happens when you got a satellite television and thunderstorm comes. Guess the signal lost. We're like, wait, whoa, 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 what is this? It, it's raining, yeah, but where's my program? You know, where's my, where's my sports? What's going on here? And, and even sometimes the slightest little thing, a leaf blows into your satellite dish and everything's wiped out, you know. A storm, a satellite connection can be lost in the middle of a storm. A stormy relationship can hinder or sever your connection with God. Because if we do not love one another whom we do see, we cannot. The storm in our hearts prevents us from loving God. At the very minimum, prevents us from loving God in the way that God would have us to love Him. There is a connection there, a vital link between loving God and loving people, and we cannot sever that. That's not my opinion. That's the Word of God. We cannot love God if we do not love one another. The final thing we see in verse 21 is the command to love. The command. We are commanded because God says so. Remember, we started our sermon series and we said... if nothing else, when God tells you to do something, you've got to do it just because He said so. That's good enough reason. But He has given us three reasons. Because He loves us, He lives in us, and He leads us. And we see this leading is by commandment. He says, and this commandment we have from Him, straight from Jesus Himself, straight from the Scriptures, we must, first of all, love our Father. This is the commandment we have from Him, the one who loves God. And we are commanded to love God. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? How do you sum up all the commandments? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've got to love God. To not love the God who created you is disobedience. It is sin. We must love the Father. But it does not end there. Because we also must love our family. The one who loves God should love his brother also. There is a family connection there. There is a bond that exists there. Loving God and loving our brothers is a family matter because we have the same Father. If God is my Father and God is your Father, we are brothers and sisters. It's the way it is. And why would we not love our brother and sister in the Lord? Especially when Jesus commands it. John thirteen thirty four: Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is the example. Selfless, sacrificial love till the end. Laid down His life. Laid down His interest. Let go of glory in heaven and came to this earth so that He might demonstrate His love for us through His death on the cross for our sins. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus gave that command right after He knelt down and washed His disciples' smelly, dirty feet. Love one another as I have loved you you through service. And then he goes on and says in verse 35, what we have already sung today, what we have sung the last several weeks, he says, and the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, Jesus is the example, but it's also our evangelism. If we love one another the way we're supposed to, the world sees that and says, what in the world? How can you cram all those people into one building and they all love one another how Jesus it's the only explanation something supernatural has happened in our hearts and radically transformed our hearts and our lives and our attitudes and that's the only explanation it's Jesus the world will know that we are his disciples that we are following the leader if we follow the leader's directions. It's a novel concept. If we love one another, we must love our Father who leads us and enables us to love our family. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ because God leads you. We might sum it up like this and say a loving church is a healthy church. A healthy church is a loving church. Interestingly enough, our church is named after the church in Ephesus in the Bible, and it's it's always funny. You go somewhere and people have no clue how to pronounce the word or spell the word, and you're like, "You you don't read your Bible, do you? You know, it's it's in the Bible, Ephesus." And and Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three. He says, "Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called." Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And what's that look like? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And also in Revelation chapter two, verse one through five, one of the seven churches that Jesus spoke to, to the angel or to the messenger of the church in Ephesus right, the one who holds the seven stars, the seven messengers in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, the seven churches, he's presence, and he's walking, and he's seeing, he's observing, he's knowing, verse 2, I know your deeds, and your toil, and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, it's a good thing, isn't it? and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false it fits right everything what he says in this letter and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary way to go Ephesus it's all good you are putting to the test and finding those who are true teachers and those who are false you don't tolerate evil you don't tolerate false doctrine you're persevering. You're not giving up on Jesus. Way to go, Ephesus, but. Verse 4. I have this against you. You have left your first love. And some may say, well, your first love is your love towards God, but John showed us already, hadn't he? You can't love God without loving your brethren. And to leave your first love... One way that's evident is your relationship with one another, with those whom you do see. I have this against you. Therefore, because you've left your first love, therefore, remember from where you have fallen. Remember where you used to be in your love. Remember this and repent and do the deed you did at first or else. uh Uh-oh. It's a threat. Or else. I am coming to you And will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. I will remove your lampstand. You will cease to be my church. Wow. I read that and it gives me cold chills. Because there was a church that was pure in its doctrine and it was strong in its endurance. But there was a disconnect as far as love was concerned, and Jesus said, "That's enough right there for me to remove my blessing from your congregation." And I look at our church, and I really, I do not believe anybody in this church hates anybody else. I don't believe that. So please hear me in that. But we've already said when you when you cram this many people into one place, you've got so many different personalities. You got every single one of us are sinners. We're all saved by grace, but we still sin. And you cram so many sinners into one place, and you can't help but expect there's going to be some hiccups along the way. And how do we respond? How do we deal with that? And Jesus said, you go to your brother, and you work it out. If that don't work, you bring in a witness or two, and you, and you work it out with your brother face to face so I'm here to encourage you this morning to instruct you with all the authority I have in Christ if you feel your brother has something against you you need to reconcile that if you know you got something against your brother you need to reconcile that and if you've tried that and that don't work I'm here bring me in because I don't want to see things snowball to the point where we have our master and the one who walks among the churches saying "Okay, I'm done I've given you every opportunity. You ain't fixed this yet. I'm done. Our church will never grow in maturity to the place we need to be if we can't learn to reconcile our differences. And it ain't just our church. It's any church, every church. We must learn to love one another. And what's love look like? That means we do everything we can to reconcile and restore a relationship when you can look a brother and sister in the eye and say, I have nothing against you and I don't think you've got anything against me. We don't always get along. I get it. But we've got to be willing and able somehow to find some kind of common ground. And I encourage you this morning. I implore you I instruct you, do that. And if I don't work, bring me in. Bring a deacon or bring a, you know, another church member and let's see if we can't resolve these things. Because the devil will find every opportunity he can to find a relationship that's strained and he's going to put pressure on it until it snaps. And that ain't good for you. It ain't good for the entire church. It ain't good for our church's witness to this world. So why do we need to love our brothers and sisters? We love them because God loves us unconditionally, sacrificially. He took the initiative. We were unlovable. He loved us anyway. We love because God loves us. We love because God lives in us. The Holy Spirit of God resides in you. He'll empower you to do what you need to do. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it's tough. But we do what we've got to do. And the third final reason, because God leads you. He's going to lead us to a place where you are blessed and your church is blessed and that cannot happen until we truly demonstrate our love for one another in tangible ways, in ways that make a difference in our lives. We can sum it up like this. His holy love leads us to holy love. The holy love of God will lead you to love your whole church with your whole being. They will know, you will know, that you're a Christian by your love. Let's pray together. mighty God, again, we are in awe of you. We sang how great thou art. And Lord, everything that we know about you is found in your word. That you are a God who speaks. You are a God who reveals. You are a God who initiates. You are a God who implemented a rescue plan to save our souls. And God, we thank you for that. We humble ourselves. And Lord, we are in gratitude of you. And Lord, your word tells us that we are to love one another. And and Father, there, there are times where that is hard. But Lord, it's your grace undeserved, unmerited favor and blessing. It's Your grace on us, that amazing grace that enables us to love one another as we ought to. Father, we we need Your leadership, Lord, in everything we do in life. Even in loving one another, God, we need You to lead us. We need to follow You. Lord, following You begins with that initial decision, that initial step of saying, God, I know I've sinned against You. Father, I know I deserve Your judgment, but I believe Jesus died for me. I trust, God, You love me enough that Jesus took my penalty. And I believe He rose again the third day, victorious over my sin and over death. And I give myself to Him. I ask You, Lord Jesus, transform me to become more like you. Maybe somebody today, you are leading them to make that initial step. I pray right now, God, in their heart and in their mind, in their soul, they yield themselves to you. Because God, you are amazing. And Lord, I pray, whatever decision needs to be made today, salvation, rededication, baptism, church membership, a call to ministry, a call to the mission field, a call to reconcile a strained relationship, God. Whatever you are calling us to do, I pray, God, we do it and obey you as you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It indeed is the sweetest sound that we know. Let that amazing grace come and transform your life.